This is an AMI podcast. Welcome back. It's now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. A rural town in Nova, not Nova Scotia, in Saskatchewan, I don't know why I did that, has gone to court over a school closure. The town of Arborfield has filed an injunction against the Northeast School Division. The concerns are of the impact the closure will have across the entire town. John Lepke has more details. John is a journalist in Saskatchewan. Hey, good morning, John. Good morning. So, John, why'd the town decide to take the school board to court? Well, there's some there's some broad strokes and then there's specific. So the argument that they made in front of the court and their key point in the argument was that this was going to have an outsized economic impact on the town. Um, high school students not being around to 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 buy lunches and, and the economic impact of that. Um, but this is an issue that we see again and again in Saskatchewan. The the uh, judge noted that this is the first case that had come to the Court of King's Bench, but certainly won't be the last, where as, as people leave Saskatchewan small towns, as they have been in their droves in the last few decades, these schools that used to be large and bastions of their community, if we want to call it that, um, are now seeing graduating classes of, in Arborfield's case, one. Oh, uh, yes, that is a small, small graduating class. There's no doubt about it. So what are the, okay, let, let's go with the theory the school does close. What are the alternatives? So the alternatives is that they go to the next uh, town over with a sizable school. That would be Carrot River in this case. Um, Arborfield has held on to their elementary school students. So this would be uh, grades 7 to 12. Uh John, what 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 are the what are the residents of the town saying? The, the residents of the town are saying that this has an outsized economic impact. Now, the the judge uh, dismissing the temporary injunction didn't see uh, didn't think that case held water. In fact, um, pointed out that no uh, none of the high school students were quoted in the in the complaint brought at the Court of King's Bench. But that doesn't mean, I don't think, in, in what's happening here in Saskatchewan that uh, that school closures aren't a concern for broader community. This was just one, um, one method to try to prevent some of the decay, if we can call it that, in Saskatchewan small towns. So you mentioned that the judge was somewhat unconvinced by the argument. Where do things go from here? So this is a temporary injunction. So from here, the school division has declined uh, to comment, given that it is still going through the court. So it remains to be seen. This is a uh, a fairly long process. This injunction was originally considered in June, um, and then this decision recently in September. So we'll see where it goes from here. And what will be interesting to see is if other um, schools who are facing the same challenges. We saw a big consolidation of school divisions in the late 2000s, for example, um, try to use the courts more, um, given that the Court of King's Bench at least has indicated that they will uh, entertain these cases, even if they may not side with a temporary injunction. Yeah, John, I, I'm curious about the bigger picture here, because I'm sure somebody watching this morning would go, how much funding and how much can be put into place for a school of one person? So like, what's the bigger picture here? Well, the challenge is that that we usually funding in Saskatchewan is on a 
student basis, right? So what you have is these schools where the building is really expensive. That was pointed out in this decision um, that, that the Arborfield School has some of the highest bills in the school division for maintenance for not very many students to make up that shortfall. We're also in a province where it is hard to get teachers in these in these smaller school divisions. And so consolidation is the key. Now, one of the arguments that the parents made is that Carrot River, um, that this was all just a ploy to uh, to allow Carrot River to survive. And so there's a little bit of, it seems, um, uh, to put it mildly, uh, small town politics going on here. Mm. Um, but it remains to be seen that when the school is the center of your community, it, it stands to reason that it's a really hard blow to the community when a large portion of that school um, will be going somewhere else. Yeah, th there's no doubt that a school is a key piece of fabric to a community. And the fact is, if a community does not have a school, who's going to move to that community, right? Like, what person is going to say, I'm going to pick up my stuff and move my family somewhere where there's not actively a school, right? It, it, mm -hmm. it, ends, up be, it ends up becoming a, a cycle in and of itself. Exactly. It's one of the key things that people look at. And so, exactly, it stands to reason that that this will have an economic impact, um, but on the balance of things, uh, the the arguments made in the in the estimation of cold water, at least for a, for a temporary injunction. Okay, switching gears here, John. The Accessible Saskatchewan Act is moving forward. You have spoken about this previously, but the government is looking to bring in members to the commission. So, what are they looking for? Yeah, so uh, you can't go on Facebook. Maybe it's just the company I keep, but you can't go on Facebook without seeing a sponsored ad uh, for uh, the committee. They're looking for applications. And really, they're mandated to have a significant number of disabled people, or quote, people, um, or paraphrasing here, uh, people who support and represent the disability community <laughs> on this committee. Um, so it'll be interesting to see, just like the, it was interesting to see how the Accessible Canada Act um, uh patronage if we can call it that worked out uh who will end up on this committee like other provinces in canada saskatchewan has a history of disability nonprofits not being disability led um and being led by uh people who who make their careers in the disability space that isn't me making a comment on their their ability to do the job um but there is some cause of uh of interest into how exactly this will this will play out. Yeah, John, there's a significant correlation in building the right committee and getting the legislation right. That if you bring in the wrong perspective, you're going to get bad legislation. And if you get bad legislation, you're not going to solve anything. Yeah, I think, uh, what's that old adage? Committees are where ideas go to die. Um, but, but okay, yes, yes, that is a very cynical position, but it's also, <laughs> it's also a place where things go to get sorted out and right with proper perspective. Exactly. What I was going to say is that the, uh, if, if we're looking at this from a deeply pessimistic view, it would be that committees are, are a challenge. But in relation to this, we have um, we have uh, the it's also true that, as you say, committees are also the solution to the problem. I mean, this is an act when asked about a timeline, they pointed to the OA, OADA um, and its oh lengthy oh timeline as a reason as a reason not to have a timeline, which I would argue is uh, perhaps not the takeaway one. <laughs> yeah. um, oh, their timeline was so bad we shouldn't have one. Uh, it's a uniquely governmental position, I think. Um, but yeah, the, the, 
the, the fact remains that this is an active recruitment. And so that's an exciting uh, development as this moves forward, um, because at least the voices are going to be there. And once the voices are in place, that's when we can really take a critical and optimistic, hopefully, uh, I know I haven't been the most optimistic person this morning, um, uh, optimistic view as to how this legislation can develop and how it can create people access for people in Saskatchewan. Because, you know, we're still at the early stages of access, I think we can argue, in this province, even compared to some of the other Canadian provinces and what they've done with their accessibility legislation. Yeah, the Accessibility for Ontarians with Disabilities Act uh, being used as a template for anything seems a little bit silly because it's uh, almost 20 years since it's been passed and uh, they are going to miss their 2025 deadline in a big, big, big way. So I don't know that anybody should be using that as a template, but I, but I do want to circle back to this idea of although there's a rolling of our eyes anytime you hear about a committee or a focus group or a consultation, there is value to be provided. But again, Again, I'm going to reassert my position. That's why these kinds of recruitments are important. And that's why it's important that if you're at all interested and you want to be an advocate on this or an activist on this, you do have to apply. You can't, you can't just sit on the outside, mm -hmm. on the outside looking in, not having been applied and then be like, look at this terrible committee they put together. Like you, we yeah. as individuals have an onus to go be the change we want. And I think we have to, when that committee is in place, we have to be willing to look at why um, why a multitude of voices need to be at that table and always the, the onus and, and the challenge with these things is you know, the history of disability activism in this country, I think it's fair to argue, has long been dominated by, and I'll put my hand up, uh, ambulatory wheelchair users or, or so-called super crips in parasport spaces. Um, and so what I'm really looking for is a, a multitude of, of disability experiences um, beyond those we tend to see on these committees, which tend to be white, privileged, and, and um, you know, powerful in their own right. I think the danger here is that it becomes an exercise of how good of a resume can you put together for this right, application. Right. And so I'm really hoping that we see people from even underrepresented groups within the disability community in this province, um, because it it's so it can be so challenging to live multiply marginalized in this place. Mm -hmm. Hey, John, thank you for an update on both these stories. It's much appreciated. Thanks for having me. That is John Lepke, journalist based in Saskatchewan. Coming up after the break, the Canadian Transportation Agency has ruled that Air Canada needs to better accommodate passengers with disabilities. Elizabeth Moeller will reflect on the story, and so will I. This is Now with Dave Brown on AMI-tv. Hi, I'm Jenny Bovard. Join me monthly for Low Vision Moments, where I speak with awesome guests about some of the amusing things that happen when you're blind or partially sighted. Watch on YouTube or download Low Vision Moments from your favorite podcast distributor.